Welcome to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast, where changing the world starts with changing the home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. Welcome to Finish Well Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here with us today. I'm your host, Meredith Curtis. And here at Finish Well Podcast, we want to help you start strong, run hard, and finish well in your homeschooling journey. You can find us at powerlineprod.com. We have a blog, we have a store, we have all kinds of ways to inspire you in your homeschool adventure. So let's get started today. Do you ever feel like you're just tired of teaching your kids the same old, same old? Well, we have got a show for you. You know, there's not just a way to teach one subject. Even though sometimes we can think that, there are so many out-of-the-box and tried-and-true ways to teach that you may just never have thought of before. I found 61 ways that I teach in my home school that I want to share with you to just encourage you to kind of stretch out a little bit and expand your teaching. You can use different teaching methods depending on what you're trying to teach. And some methods work better than others. For instance, I remember when my daughter had someone approach her and say, could you teach me to sing? And Jenny Rose said, okay. Now, she didn't get a textbook on it. She didn't read a book out loud to her. What she did is she said, come on over. And they sat down at the piano. And Jenny Rose began to work with her on how to sing properly, how to breathe properly. She did demonstration. She showed her what to do. It was more of a hands-on kind of project learning. Also, You can choose teaching methods that fit your child's learning style. You can also choose teaching methods that fit your learning style as a parent. I like to combine several methods together for kind of a multi-sensory exposure. For instance, if my children are going to read a textbook, maybe we'll make some cartoons, we'll do some cooking, we'll do some crafting. All of those are ways to do hands-on learning in addition to using our textbook. So let's get right into 61 ways to teach. Number one, my very favorite method of teaching is to read out loud. Now you have to get the picture here. You have to snuggle up, kind of sprawl on each other, have some pillows down on the floor. Mom is on the couch surrounded by her kiddos. And you find a good book and you read it out loud. It might be literature. It might be a history book. It might be a science textbook. It doesn't matter. It's reading out loud to the kids and pausing every once in a while to make a comment or ask a question. And that is my absolute favorite. The next thing that I like to do is use living books. Now, living books can be all kinds of things. But when I say living books here, I'm talking about books that talk about subjects that normally are a little bit complicated and the living book just makes it simple to use or the living book just explains ordinary things in a way that they become extraordinary. 
For example, when we study economics, we love the Richard Mayberry books because they go into things like what is inflation and what is money anyway, and they just explain it in such simple-to-understand ways. And I just love that. And there's so many good books out there that do that. Another way I love to teach is literature. There's nothing that helps you get a feel for a time in history than reading a book. There's nothing like a good story. And so many stories have a point or they're set in a situation like maybe the heroine is a little slave girl in South Carolina or maybe the hero is someone who is up in Massachusetts during the American Revolution, but any kind of literature just takes us away to another place. And a lot of times in the context of reading literature, we're in another place around the world or we're in another time period or we're just in other circumstances. Like maybe we're, we struggle in our family financially, but we read a book about someone very wealthy and we get a whole different perspective of life. So literature is a great way to learn. Another thing that I love is great books and historical documents. That's just something really cool to me. I loved when my kids were little reading the log of Christopher Columbus because it just had so much to say about his heart, his ambition, his goals. Uh, another book I loved was Plymouth Plantation by um, William Bradford, who was actually governor of Plymouth for many years. And it was so exciting to read about the first Thanksgiving, to read about things that happened in their settlement. And just to realize, wow, I remember reading this with a bunch of high school students. And I said, well, what stood out to you about the book? And they said, Wow, their life was so hard, but they were so grateful. Well, I could have said that to them. Well, their life was so hard, but they were so grateful all the time for what they had. But to read that history, that historical document really changed things for them. One of my favorite ways to teach my children is as we're going through history to have them read historical fiction. And we have had a blast with historical fiction. There are so many neat series that you can get a hold of, and we just really plunge right in. We love the little house books, and what a way to study the pioneer days is to just go with this family across the country as the West is opening up more and more. Number six is biographies. Biographies are so awesome because you look at a large chunk of time through a person. You look at a philosophy through a person. You look at the idea of missions through a person, depending on what biography you're reading. And we have just really enjoyed biographies. I remember as a little girl, I would read the Childhood of Famous American series in my school library. And I started reading them in second grade. But at fifth grade, I was still reading them because I enjoyed them so much. And when I had a son who really struggled to read, he really latched onto that series. And there was something about meeting other men and women, boys and girls in the pages of a biography that it really appealed to my son. And I think it really appeals to a lot of children. Number seven is picture books. And picture books are amazing. There's so many different kinds. 
And I always thought before I homeschooled, I thought, yeah, picture books are just for my preschoolers, my early elementary kids. But then I found there's so many beautiful picture books. And there's some really cool ones, like about the temple, about history, about so many different things. And I love the books that show all the details of a cathedral or all the details of a castle. And you just sit there and you look at all these little pictures. And those are such fun. And they're fun for anyone. They're even fun for adults, but definitely for teens. Teens love those books. Textbooks. Not all textbooks are dull and dreary. There's so many well-written textbooks. I love the Not Grass history textbooks. I enjoy the mystery of history textbooks. They're just so interesting, and they're written in a conversational style. And in fact, I wrote my own, inspired by them, 20th century textbook called His Story of the 20th Century. And I just tried to keep it very conversational so that it was like we were just sitting, having a conversation, talking about these things. And so when I when I use textbooks, I look for ones that are really relatable to the reader And number nine is magazines. When the kids were little, we got these creation magazines, and we loved them. We loved the pictures. We've enjoyed a lot of magazines over the year, not just me as a homeschool mom. Of course, I love the Teaching Home and Homeschooling Today and the Old School House magazine. But there's a lot of magazines that are created just for kids from a Christian perspective, and they can really be a blessing. Number 10 is cookbooks. There's something that brings history, that brings geography alive when you cook, when you look up recipes. And a lot of times cookbooks have little tidbits of information. And um, there are so many interesting things about history, about geography, that we kind of bypass if we just stay on the, this is the main track, this is what we need to know. But if we kind of branch off and do things like use cookbooks, we often come across so many really fun things about their food and their culture and what they enjoyed, how they spent their free time. So cookbooks are another really fun way. A great way to learn is memorizing. And I'm not a huge memorizer, but there are certain things you just have to memorize, like addition facts and subtraction facts and spelling rules and multiplication tables. And they're just they're just formulas in chemistry and physics. They're just certain things that you have to memorize. And I always gave my kids about 15 dates and we just worked on those memory things. And then they were able to plug other things into those dates. But honestly, I wish we would have done more memorizing. One thing I really appreciate is every scripture verse I've ever memorized in my life. I appreciate memorizing things like the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed and those, the Lord's Prayer, things like that. So whether you are big in memorizing or little in memorizing, memorizing is definitely a great way to teach. Next is workbooks. And I know a lot of people say, oh, workbooks, you know, you could call them printables, but workbooks are neat for certain things. Like we used workbooks for spelling. We used workbooks for grammar and they just worked great. Now, we didn't we didn't use workbooks in history. We didn't use workbooks in science, but in things at like grammar and spelling for us, workbooks were the best. We really enjoyed them. Number 13 is lectures. They can be anything from a sermon 
to watching someone going to a conference and listening to different sessions at a conference. But in lectures, they are really interesting, especially if they're live, because there's something about a live speaker where they can interact with you and you can, you know, even sometimes ask questions at the end. That leads us to discussions. And one of the things that I've learned over the years is that discussions are a great way to find out what kids know. Because if I just tell my child, here, write a book report about this book, that's one thing. But if I say, so how did you like the book? And and who was your favorite character? And what did they like? And not in a stilted way, but just where we're talking. And all of a sudden, we're off in some rabbit trail discussion. I find out so much about what my kids know by just these informal discussions. Number 15 are group discussions, and that's when you purposely get together with maybe your family or maybe your co-op class, and you discuss something like maybe a book that you've read. For instance, group discussions could be a book club, and who doesn't love a book club? And the other thing about group discussions is a lot of times, especially if you're discussing a book or a period in history, When students hear other students sharing something or family members hear other family members sharing their own ideas and thoughts, it gets them thinking and it causes everyone to just take the subject a little bit deeper. Number 16 is asking questions. So as a mom, then I say, so what do you think of that? Or I say, so when did this happen? Why do you think this happened? And I begin to just ask questions to get them to think. But then the the reverse can happen too. Do you have any questions for me? Did you understand that? Is there anything I can explain to you? So asking questions and answering questions are both great ways to teach. Narration is a method from Charlotte Mason that I love. And that's when you read something or the the student can listen or read on their own or be listening to an audio. And then narration just involves in answering simple questions, basically to narrate or retell what they've learned. That's a great way to learn. Taking notes. Note-taking is a skill, but you can teach your children to take notes. Sermons are great times to learn to take notes because most pastors tend to preach with three points. So you can say, okay, listen for those three points and work, write them down. And then at the end of the sermon, they just have their three points and that's all they have. But as they grow older and older, they learn to take really effective notes. Another thing that is a great way to teach kids is to have them write an outline. And that can be of a textbook chapter. It can be of a chapter in a book. It could be a a book of the Bible, but to just sit down and write an outline. An outline is kind of a way to summarize what they've listened to or what they've read. So it's a great way to teach kids. Kids can write a letter or an email to a grandparent about what they're learning and what they like about it. And that is a really neat thing, too, because they kind of have to synthesize, what am I learning? What do I like? And what about what I'm learning do I want to share? And what about that subject should I tell my grandmother and grandfather that would be interesting to them? Number 22 You could write a summary, have kids write a summary. To summarize, that means to find the most important points 
and to explain that back to someone. So summarizing is really good thing. Writing a report. Writing a report is really fun, especially if you get to present that report, like at a geography fair or a science fair or something like that. But you don't have to do the, you know, they don't have to just write a formal report, although that's a good experience. But they could put together some other kind of presentation, like maybe a PowerPoint presentation or something like that. That's a little more fun to prepare. For 24, retelling stories. So one way that you can teach children to write stories is to have them read a story and then retell it to you. They can also retell it in writing. They can also retell it by updating it or changing it. So say we read Hansel and Gretel or Little Red Riding Hood, and then we update it to the 21st century. Okay, let's retell this story, but pretend it's happening in the 21st century. Telling stories. When you're studying history or you're studying geography or science or you've just finished a book, okay, let's tell a story about the main character, what happens next in her life, or let's tell a story about a little girl who lives in Germany when we're studying Germany. All those things are really fun for children. And, you know, you're going to find this, I share these different methods that some kids really love certain things and they become, you know, those are my tried and true ways to teach, especially when a subject is a little challenging. Writing stories. Writing is just telling a story, but putting it down on paper. When my children were little, I'd let them dictate stories to me and don't focus so much on all the mistakes. You know, I always like to say, oh, that's so good. I love your story. It's so awesome. And then at the end, we can go back and polish. We can polish it up. We can polish up the quotation marks and the grammar and the spelling and all that. But just listen for what they have to say. Reciting poems. That's a great way to learn about poetry, to learn about literature, to learn about different time periods. When you study Anne of Green Gables, of course you have to recite a poem. Writing poems. Writing poems can be serious, really fun. The thing about different poems like ballads are written with certain amount of syllables and certain ways of rhyming. And so those are really challenging assignments for kids to do. And especially if you say, okay, write a ballad about the Battle of Hastings. Well, okay, you know, but do this format, maybe in Shakespeare style or something like that. So writing, uh, writing poems is a really fun thing to do. And I like also to do lighthearted poems like haikus and sense poems and things like that. They're really fun for little ones to write. Sometimes poems become songs. And so it's always really exciting to write a poem. Number 29 is to write a paragraph. And of course, sentences, of course, we want to teach our kids to write a good sentence so they can write a good paragraph. But say that we are just finishing studying plants and we're about to wrap it up. And then you say to your child, could you write a paragraph for me about the oak tree? Okay. Anything I want? anything you want. And of course, no matter what they pick, they're going to have to dig a little to find out stuff about the oak tree to write about it. Writing essays is another great way for kids to learn. They can share, they can be more factual, they can be more feeling, more emotional, but they have to make a thesis 
and then prove it. So I always tell my children, you'll know it's a thesis when you can prove it, but you can also disprove it. If it's just something like the sky is blue, that's not really a thesis because you can't really disprove that, although some might try. So writing essays, just such a blessing. And then what about turning an essay into a blog post? That is such a challenging assignment because the whole style of writing a blog post is completely different. My children love that assignment. We take an essay from the year before and then they write a blog post. So we are going to come back about writing like a reporter. And we are so excited because do you know what? We are part of the ultimate podcast homeschooling podcast network And they are celebrating their birthday, and we want to wish them a very happy birthday. And today, they're our sponsors, so you'll hear a message from them, and then we'll be right back to finish up 61 Ways to Teach It. Happy birthday, Ultimate Podcast Network family. Celebrating eight years in 2021 are bringing you the listener free broadcasts on topics that are family-friendly. There are podcasts on homeschooling, kids, family life, and success over struggles. There are podcasts on rekindling your romance, household management, organization, health issues, techie skills, and podcasts on every academic subject that will help you in your journey. And there's more. I want to give a shout out to the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network podcasters. They work hours and hours to bring you these broadcasts for free and how can you thank them well it's easy one subscribe to their channel you can do this on any podcast app two give this podcast a star rating on your favorite podcast app as well as comment on the website three share this episode and the network with a friend and thank you our listeners you've kept us on the air for many years and millions of downloads Also, I invite you to sign up for our e-zine that comes out weekly with freebies each month for subscribers only, as well as a list of all the podcasts you won't want to miss. You can find this podcast as well as others on the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.com. And happy birthday. Enjoy this upcoming presentation and God bless. You've been listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast on the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. Now back to your host, Meredith Curtis. Hi, welcome back. We have been talking about all kinds of ways to teach something. You don't have to just stay with your same old way, but you can branch out and try something new. So here is number 32, write like a reporter. What's so cool about writing like a reporter? Well, in the first sentence, they give you the what, who, when, and where. And then in the second sentence, they tell you the how and the why. And so it is, I always teach my children to write like reporters in middle school so that they're ready to just write a lot of essays. It teaches children to become really concise, to get to the point, to clearly state their point, 
and it's just it's just very very fun and especially if you put together a little newspaper or say attention we have this newspaper article by your little darling um, another fun way to have your children learn to teach them is to let them research let them research anything they want like how to make the best carrot cake the most moist carrot cake or then give them assignments with research like okay I want you to research what kind of rose grows the best in our home state okay and then they're off researching they might talk to the owner of a nursery they might read a book on roses they might watch something on YouTube or about rose gardening but they're going to begin to research and then, of course, number 34, have them do a research project. A research project, if you're researching how to make a moist carrot cake, your research project would be to make that moist carrot cake. If your research is on roses, then your project might be to plant a bed of roses. So um, let the project be something that is a delight and it will be such a good memory as well as something that they learn. Number 35 is use audios. I remember when the kids were little, we would listen to Diana Waring audios. And she is a history buff, and she just filled our hearts with so much delight about learning history. We really enjoyed those. And um, movies is another way to teach children. They can be movies like, um, or DVDs, like Drive Through History, um, which are really fun ways to learn history, but or they can also just be movies that are very close to, to historical. And things like Chariots of Fire is a there that's just such a beautiful movie about Eric Little and he was such a Christian hero, such a good a good good man. And so there's so many movies out that you can watch like Luther or Polycarp that really introduce you to Christian heroes or movies. If you're studying World War II, I think there must be hundreds of World War II movies. And you just have to find some that would really be a blessing for your family to learn more about World War II. Documentaries are great too and I know that Answers in Genesis has so many great documentaries. I really enjoy those. You can teach your child by delegating the teaching to a live class online. They can watch a class online, be part of a live class, and they can also watch classes on DVDs that are pre-recorded. We learned Latin that way. I taught my kids Latin with um, Christina Latina, uh, Latin, Christina Latine, and we had such a good time, and we just turned on the video, and we learned with the teacher, and it was a great stress-free way to learn Latin. Another thing that we have really enjoyed, number 40, is educational songs, especially when you're learning multiplication tables, states and capitals, a different language, and you just play those. Well, I don't know if anyone has CDs anymore, but I used to play them CDs or, or even way back to cassette tapes, and we just play them at lunch or we play them in the car. Songs are such a great way to learn. Visual aids, another wonderful thing, photographs or maps or if you're talking about an artist and you show some reproductions of the artwork, visual aids are such a blessing and a great way to teach. Role playing is another thing 
that, wow, my kids really enjoyed this. I remember the first time I saw my kids role play. We had just read the story about David and Goliath. So Kate put a big pillow in Julian's stomach and, or no, in herself. And she said, okay, I'm Goliath and you be David and you kill me. And I thought, oh my goodness, I hope then slice off her head. <laughs> of course they didn't. But it, it's just really fun to act things out. And it's, you can be reading a history book and then just stop and say, hey, let's act this out. You be George Washington, you be Martha Washington, and you be Thomas Jefferson. And let's just redo this conversation they're having. It's so fun, especially if you have costumes and accents and things like that. Another fun thing is to create a radio show. When we were studying American history, we had the kids create radio shows. And they had so much fun creating the shows, putting in sound effects. It, it was really a blast. And, and very similar is making a movie. You just need a camera that takes movies or a phone that takes movies. When we were studying history of the 20th century, we created commercials for airlines because it was the golden age of airlines in the 1950s and the kids really enjoyed making those little um, commercial movies so but so many different things they've done in doing interviews and things like that interviews is another great thing interviewing real people if you want to teach them about careers they can interview different people about careers or they can also have pretend interviews when we were doing geography, one of the kids for their research project did a news show and they said, hi, I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah from Jerusalem. This is Israeli News Channel 7 and they did a really good job and some things were going on over there at the time and they had, you know, reporters and different things and it was really, really fun. Another way to teach your children is to map and I love this. I love blank outline maps. Honestly, blank outline maps are a homeschool mom's best friend because there is something so fun about filling in those cities and coloring in the water and coloring in the land and making mountains. And mapping is just really, really fun. But it doesn't just have to be that big, big ordeal, but you can just give kids a map and say, okay, find the capital city and circle it. Okay, this is a map of Arizona. Find the Grand Canyon. Find Sedona where the red rocks are. And so it can be it can be simple or difficult or give kids a road map with GPS. That's a really good assignment. And say, okay, you're going to go from this city to this city. What roads are you going to take? So mapping, just so many different things you can do with mapping. Timelines, number 48. I love timelines because they give you a bird's eye view of history. And you see, wow, those two people lived at the same time? Or right before he died, this person was born. Like It's just very interesting to put together a timeline. You can get a prepackaged one. You can put together your own. So many, so many different opportunities. And 49 drawing. Making a drawing of something that you're learning about, especially when it comes to science. Drawing is really neat to, if you're doing experiments, to kind of draw what happens. It doesn't have to be intricate. It can be really simple. Illustrating is number 50, and that can be illustrating a story 
illustrating a chapter in a book that you're reading. Cartooning is another fun one. I use cartooning to teach economics because it can be so serious and cartooning, make a cartoon about a principle seems to bring a little lightness to that and the kids really enjoy it. Number 52, experimenting. Of course, our science experiments and where would we be without science experiments? Kids love those. And if you don't like to do science experiments, you can find them on YouTube and watch them. And yes, that's awesome. Number 56, projects. Now, when I say projects, that encompasses everything. Crafting, building dioramas, putting together your own thing, creating, designing, building, anything like that. I just put under projects. I could have honestly added 20 more things, but I didn't think I could go up to 82, (laughs) 82 things. So, but projects, hands-on projects where you get a little messy and your hands are touching, such a blessing. Let kids read a book out loud. One of the first ways that I teach children to speak in front of people is to read a book to the family that like I read for a while, then they read for a while and they become comfortable with that. And then, hey, could you go into the nursery at church and read a book out loud to the kids? You're building confidence and then they can give a speech. They can give a speech on any topic that you're studying. Any subject in homeschool lends to giving a speech. They might create a website. You might be studying astronomy and they can create a website about astronomy there's so many free places to build a website or they could start a blog maybe they're doing apologetics class with with your husband and so they start a blog and each week they just try to reach people with some new things that they're learning in defending their faith and number 61 is teaching younger children I cannot express how much kids learn when they teach other kids, especially younger children. And here's why. When you teach younger children, you have to take a subject and you have to understand it. Then you have to simplify it to make it clear to younger children. Kids learn so much by teaching younger children. Okay, so I could do a lot more things, but I hope you get the point. There's so many different ways to teach a subject. And so I hope I've inspired you. Don't limit yourself anymore. Step out of the same old, same old today and try some of these things. Maybe there are things that are just tried and true and old fashioned and you think, well, that doesn't sound fun. Maybe try it. Maybe you'll like it. And then if you've never tried some of these different things, step out of the box and Remember, there's not just 60 ways to teach it. There's tons more. But now you have 61 things to start with. God bless you. I can't wait to see you again and be with you again. Take care. Thank you for listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time here at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.